I'm pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today we are going to talk about design. So it's time to talk about the design of dragons of Tarkir. So recently I talked about the design of Khans of Tarkir and of Fate Reforged. So this is the, the third companion piece to those two series. Um, so a bunch of what I'm going to talk about now, uh, some of the... I talked a little bit about this in the previous ones, but let's start from the beginning of Dragons of Tarkir. So, those that know about Khans of Tarkir know that we began with the idea of drafting large, small, large, with uh, small sets drafting with each large set, but the large sets not being drafted together. From that, we got the idea of doing a time travel story. From the time travel story, we went to Creative Team and said we wanted two worlds. They came back with, a, with Sarkin's homeworld, in which it would be a, a human warlords, or warlords, not all of them human, I guess, warlords that had wiped out the, um, the dragons, and then Sarkin would go back in time and have some event, ended up being, saving Ugin, and then there would be dragons. So we knew, coming into the design for Dragons Stark here, that it was the dragon set. The dragony of dragon sets! So once upon a time, we made a set called, um, what was it called? Scourge. Uh, the lead designer was Brian Tinsman, and Brian likes dragons, so he put a little tiny dragon theme in it. It wasn't really a major issue, it was just a little tiny theme, and the development really pounced on that and decided that this was going to be the dragon set, and so um, they added a few more dragon things, and marketing was sold as the dragon set. Here's the problem. It wasn't really a dragon set. I mean, it was... I said it was some dragon flavoring, maybe, but I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't what you would expect for a dragon set. Just the, the amount of dragons in it was pitifully low for a set being billed as the dragon set. Meanwhile, we did a set, I don't know, many years later called uh, dra- uh, Dragon's Maze. Now, Dragon's Maze was supposed to be... Um, dra- the dragon was Nismizit, and it was his maze. And so it wasn't really... It wasn't supposed to be about dragons or anything. It just had the word dragon in the title. And that was all it took for people to go... Dragon in the title must be a dragon set. And they were even more disappointed because there were no dragons in it. Uh, I think there was one card that made things into dragons. But, I mean, there was no, not even a creature-type dragon in Dragon's Maze. Although, once again, it wasn't dragons and a maze. It was a dragon's maze. Although even that dragon wasn't in the set. He was in the previous set. Okay. So we knew coming in here, we had had some false leads. Some of our own doing, some... A poor titling. But anyway, we knew this time, like, okay, if we're going to do a dragon set, we're going to do a dragon set. We're going to sell this as a dragon set. That meant lots of dragons. So the thing to remember is, um, large sets get a year of design, where small sets get, um, currently they got, at the time they got four months. We're trying to actually give more time to small sets. But anyway, so what that, what that meant was that, um, the design for Dragons of Tarkir actually began before the design for Fate Reforged. Uh, in fact, about six months into the design of Khans of Tarkir, because the set comes out, I don't know, six months later or so, we started the, the design for Dragons of Tarkir. Okay, so the big thing was, here's what we knew going into Dragons of Tarkir. Originally, the plan was we wanted to make sure that we shifted between the first world and the third world. Um, the idea was, you know, someone goes back in time and makes major changes. So the original plan was, okay, human warlord world, or whatever, humanoid warlord world, transition into a dragon warlord world. That, we had that. So we knew we were going to have dragons. 
Um, the idea that I had played with originally was we were going to go, um, once we knew that the first set was going to be Wedge, which we didn't know immediately, but we knew that a couple months in that we were making a Wedge set, I liked the idea of going from three color to two color. And the first choice for Dragon Slayer Care was going to be enemy color because we just haven't made as many enemy color cards as we've made ally colored cards. Um, and I'm like, oh, a, a, you know, a cycle of enemy color dragons, that would be pretty cool. Um, and anyway, I'm like, okay, it's just a theme we haven't done much with. And, oh, dragons, it's chaotic, enemies, and the, thematically it felt right. Um, Eric Lauer explained to me that the problem was the way you drafted a wedge set was you first drafted the enemy colors, and then you opted into which wedge you wanted to go to. The reason you did that is an enemy color gave you two options for drafting, where an ally color gave you one. Um, and that way, in order to support the drafting, we needed to put enemy colored cards into Kanzatarkir. Well, the problem was that we wanted the last set to draft differently than the first set. That's the whole idea. That's the whole point behind it. So, what that meant was um, we ended up having to shift to allied color because we wanted to be different. Now, I know a lot of people were sad when they heard that. They go, that would have been awesome. You should have just kept it. But the problem was it would have required us to have too many similarities between the two large sets. And the whole point of the structure was to make them very different, to do different things with them. It wasn't to say, hey, draft this way, and then, yeah, draft very similarly to that. We didn't want that. And if you had enemy color dragons, the default is draft two colors, which are enemy, and then draft three color, which are wedge. And the first set was draft three color, which are wedge, fall back, draft two color, which are enemy. Not different enough. Um, we will one day do an enemy-based set. Uh, that is something people want. It is something I'm sure we'll find a place to do. That's not off the table. That is something that we can do. Um, it just didn't work out for here. Okay. The other thing we knew coming in is we knew we wanted the flavor of present day, past, alternate present day. And so we were trying to figure out mechanically how do we represent that. So we knew we were going to have the factions. We knew that um, the first set introduced the factions, and the factions all um, had an attribute that they cared about the dragon. Um, so let's see if I run through quickly. So we had uh, the white-based one was Abzan, which was white, green, and black. It was about endurance. Um, the uh, just guy was blue, blue base with white and red. It was about cunning. Um, the black base one was soul tie. It was also green and blue, and it was about um, ruthlessness. Uh, the red base one also had um, was about speed, and also had white and black. It was Mardu, and the green base one was Teamer, which also had red and green, and it was about um, savagery. So we knew we were going to carry through those attributes all the way through. That what we wanted for the whole thing is to have these factions that change, but were continuous the whole way through. Um, originally, the plan was we were going to drop to allied color, um, but once we figured out that we couldn't do that, once we figured out that um, we needed to go to allied color, that restricted... Because when we were going to enemy color, we had two options. Because you start with wedge, so let's just take Jeskai. Well, Jeskai is blue, white, red. Well, if you go to enemy color, you have the option of going blue-red, or the option of going white-red. But, if you go to ally colors, the only ally combination in Jeskai would be white-blue. There's only one possible combination. Um, so, what that meant was, when we figured out we went to ally, that, that dictated where we were going. So, that means we were going to start, you know, uh, the cunning clan would start in blue, white, and red, and end up in blue and white. 
So that meant we couldn't center the clan in the enemy color because when we got to the third set, the enemy colors would disappear. So if we had made Jeskai a base red thing, well, we couldn't do that because we wanted the base color to go all the way through. That's why, I, I've talked about this a little bit, but that's why the colors were, were off-center for the wedges. Obviously, you would center in the enemy color if, if no other factors were in play. Um, so the idea was we did want the cunning to go all the way through, and, and the idea was in cons, they were, they, they were remembering the dragons that are now dead, and in the, in the old set, you get to see the dragons are alive, and you get to meet Ojutai for the first time. Um, and then the, uh, when you get to the third set, um, the, cunning, uh, the cunning clan now is white, white blue. The original plan we had is actually to use the names, that Jeskai was going to be Jeskai all the way through. And the idea was in the timeline, Jeskai went to three color one way, and another timeline went to two color. What we found, though, is people so badly wanted names for the three color that we were going to get ourselves in trouble, that we wanted you to associate Jeskai with blue, red, black, blue, red, white, for naming conventions. But then if Jeskai also meant white, blue, we thought we'd confuse the thing. So the idea was, okay, we'll name them after the dragon lords when it gets there. So that's becoming, it became Ojutai. Real quickly, by the way, I forgot some of the basics. I should, I should. So, uh, Dragon Shark here, DTK, as it's code, uh, three letter code, and it was Louie, because it was, um, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, which were the three, uh, nephews of Donald Duck. Turns out having rhyming names, as, uh, as I've talked about, is a horrible thing. Everyone got them out of order. Um, but anyway, uh, this set was led by Mark Gottlieb. Uh, the design team included, uh, along with Mark, Dan Emmons, Graham Hopkins, Colin Kawakami, uh, myself, and Sam Stoddard. Colin was the design, I was the um, creative representative, Sam was the development representative. Um, the development team uh, had two different leads that changed over the course of the thing. Uh, started with Tom Lapilli, and then it moved to Dave Humphreys. Um, and the development team had Tim Aiden, Colin Kawakami, Eric Lauer, Ken Nagel, Sam Stoddard, and Jerry Thompson. Um, the release, it was released on March 27th, 2015, um, and it had 264 cards, 101 commons, 80 uncommons, 53 rares, 15 mythic rares. Uh, it also had 15 lands. Uh, the reason we did basic lands in the set that were not the same is, um, whenever we sort of change things up, for example, this set was a, um, alternate reality, uh, was an alternate present, not alternate reality, it was a a different timeline of the present. And so we want... So one of the things they did is they did a lot of the scenes you had seen before, but now changed because the dragons hadn't been wiped out. Um, and so, in fact, I think some of the basic lands are literally the same scene, but, but with the convention of, okay, what does it look like now that it is... Um, now that it is dragon-filled. Um, okay, so once again, there were five factions. The factions followed the same thing. So, for example, the white base faction, which was an endurance thing, was uh, Dromaka, uh, which is the name of the Dragon Lord. So what we had done is we introduced the Dragon Lords as legendary creatures at rare um, gold cards in um, Fate Reforged, and then they became mythic cards here, and they became the Dragon Lords, which was much more powerful. So we made them... They exist in Fate Reforged, powered down quite a bit, because they were younger, thousands... 13 years younger, 1,300 years younger. Uh, but now these became the big things. They moved to Mythic and they become more powerful. Um, so uh, green-white was Dromoka. Um, it was still the Endurance clan. Uh, it had the bolster mechanic. We'll get to the mechanics in a second. Um, the blue base one, which was the Cunning clan, which used to be Jeskai, now is Ojutai. 
Um, note that one of the things the creative team did was they did try to make sure that the dragon name was similar to the clan name. And the idea being that the clan was inspired by this dragon in the first case, so there was, that's where the name had some similarity. Anyway, Ojitai, um, Rebound was the mechanic. We'll get to all the mechanics in a second. Um, Blue-Black was Silungar. Uh, um, Exploit was the mechanic. I have still Black-based, still Ruthless. Um, the Black-Red was uh, Red-based. It was still about speed. It had the dash mechanic. And uh, Kolokan was its Dragon Lord. And then red-green had a Tarka. It was still green-based, still about savagery. It had formidable as its keyword. Uh, and then the one other keyword in the set was megamorph. So we will get to megamorph in a second. Okay, so um, let's talk about the mechanics. Um, and and let's, we'll start with megamorph, and I'll talk about the, the mechanics from the, from the clans. Uh, so what happened was we knew going in that the first set was going to have just morph. The second set was going to have a variant which ended up being Manifest. Um, and the third set wanted to be Morph with a shift. Like, okay, Morph's here, but we went through some... Like, M- Manifest was Morph-related, but not Morph. But we wanted the third one because it was, it was the same, the present, but alternate, you know, alternate timeline. We wanted Morph with a twist. We wanted Morph. It was Morph, but some different kind of Morph. So we had tried a bunch of different kinds of things. Um, the, so what happened was... In exploratory design, they had come up with a thing called Oromorph. So what Oromorph was, is they were um, morph cards that instead of having creatures on the back, had auras on the back, uh, creature auras, uh, enchant creatures. So the idea was, when you would reveal it, when you'd unmorph it, it would then jump onto a creature. So it was a very different feel, because like, let's say, for example, I'm attacking with a 2-2 creature and a 2-2 morph creature. Um, when, and you're trying to figure out what to block. Well, in that case, you know that the... the let's say it's attacking with a 3-3 creature and a 2-2 morph creature. It's not a 2-2... 2-2 to be confusing. So there's a 3-3 and a morph. You know that the 3-3 in morph world is a 3-3. I mean, barring the morph... There's a few morphs that come up and change the power toughness of other creatures. Barring the one or two that do that. You know that the 3-3 is always going to be a 3-3, and the 2-2 has the ability to change. But in aura morph world... What happened was the reverse was true. That the you knew that the um, morph creature was irrelevant. It was it, well, it was a two-two if it didn't change, and if it did change, it would go away. And you knew that the three-three was going to become something else, and at least becoming a four-four, or at least a three-four. Um, all the I, I think all the aura morphs. Well, I'm not sure. I should take that back. I don't know if all of them enhanced the creature's power and toughness. A lot did. Um, but anyway, you knew that the 3-3 the was going to change. So it really changed the dynamics. The problem was um, we liked in, in exploratory design, but when we got it to, develop, uh, to um, design and we, we started playing it some more, it started showing some, some creaks and cracks, which was the gameplay was a little too similar, which was if, you were, if someone was attacking with a morph creature, why block the morph creature? The morph creature can only be a 2-2, Whereas if you block the morph creature, you give incentive to turn it into something, and then that, that's way more dangerous. So, like, it just became this, oh, level 2-2 two, two through. Why worry about it? Like, it, I mean, maybe your, your opponent would, would unmorph it, but then if they did, then why block the 2-2 two, two would, you know, like, there's no value blocking the 2-2. Two, two. It only incentivized them to unmorph it. And if you let it through, then probably the 2-2 two, two was less dangerous than whatever the aura morph was. So it ended up not having quite the gameplay we hoped. So we went back and tried to figure out what to do. Um, 
one of the things that we had done uh, that I liked a lot was an ability called Smorph. Um, so what Smorph was is it said, okay, when you play this creature, um, you got to play it face down and put a 1-1. One, one. You, you paid four mana for it, and you got to put it face down with a, one, a plus one, plus one counter on it. So the default was that instead of playing a three mana 2-2, two, two, you were playing a four mana 3-3. Three, three. And what I loved about that was it was radically different. It's just a different animal. You know, when, and when Morph turns into a four mana 3-3, three, three, that, is, that is different than a three mana 2-2. Two, two. Just, it makes the base creatures different. It makes the kind of creatures you can make underneath it different. You have a higher range to get under. Like, one of the things about Morph is Morph at three mana becomes a 2-2. Two, two. So you can make one and two drops on a few, some Morph creatures, but just doing a, a Smorph allowed you to also make three drops. Um, it just gave you more things you can make that would go underneath it. Um, the other neat thing was, it wasn't just a four mana three three. The plus one plus one counter maintained. So when you when you turned it over, there was a continuity of it. And I, I thought that was really cool in that it mattered that you unmorphed the creature. That you the reason there's a, even if you had the mana, even if you could just play it face up normally, there's a reason you wanted to play it face down and unmorph it. It made it bigger. There's an extra advantage to doing that. The problem that Smorph had was that you knew it wasn't a normal morph creature. You knew it wasn't... Well, Manifest, you already knew. But you knew it wasn't a normal morph creature. And one of the things they wanted is they liked the idea that the morph variant could be mixed in with morphs. And that when you played it, hey, you didn't... Is this a morph? Is this a morph variant? You have no idea. Um, my argument was I felt that the, the novelty and the play difference of Smorph was so interesting that, you know what? Fine. So... It's a separate thing. You already, knew, you already knew Manifest was different, you know, and Manifest had the surprise of maybe it's a morph, but Manifest was different. I'm like, okay, so they know that it's a smorph card and not a morph card. I, I felt like that was acceptable. Um, but there's enough people that really didn't agree there, and so we decided to keep looking for other things. Um, in the end, um, the funny thing is Megamorph itself, I suggested during design, but it actually ended up getting made the way it was during development. Um, and the reason was, there was um, some uncertainty in design whether or not Megamorph... Oh, so we came up with the idea of Megamorph. Megamorph was... Clay, say, essentially, Megamorph was the Smorph mechanic minus the, um, the plus one plus counter up front. So instead of it being four mana for a 2-2 two, two plus one plus one counter, it just was three for 2-2 two, two like normal Morph. But when you turn it face up, it got a counter. So it, it took the second half of Morph. Um, now, I liked that part. I mean, like, I, I do like Megamorph, and I do think Megamorph was actually a fine mechanic. Um, my issue was, it de- we had sort of set the bar with Manifest. The Manifest was different enough from Morph that I think the audience expected a little bit more of a shift, and I think this Morph was more of a shift. Um, but it had some issues. Um, the other thing with Megamorph is um, we named it Megamorph, and... Um, because we wanted to convey it's a morph creature. It plays like a morph creature, but it's big. Um, and the name stuck. It turned out to be a name that people didn't really like. Uh, I mean, it, the mechanic needed to have morph in its name so you understood that it was, it was the morph mechanic, but with a twist. Um, maybe there's a better name than Megamorph. I, I don't know. Um, I do believe Megamorph got a raw deal in that the name and the lack of differentness about it made people sour on it, when it actually was a very good mechanic. I actually like the gameplay of the mechanic. I think it's a fun mechanic. 
it did take one of the elements I really did like about Smorph, in which it, it gave you a reason why to put things that are even bigger that you had the mana for face down and then turn face up. Um, Megamorph also saw a bunch of play in tournaments, so it actually, for as much poo-pooing as it got, it, it, it was a very viable mechanic. Um, I think there's some naming issues and some expectation issues, but I do think the mechanic itself is a solid mechanic. Okay, so let's talk about the five mechanics of the clans. Okay, so the thing that was going on was we wanted to have a structure. We knew that there was clan continuity, um, meaning I wanted to have something that ran the whole way through. So the idea was there were five clans that cared about a dragon attribute. That was true the entire time, that they had a style of, of attitude that they cared about. The actual gameplay changed a little bit. The other thing that we wanted to do was we knew that Fate Reforged was going to be in the middle. And so we, we knew that we decided that some of the mechanics from, um, from the alternate timeline were going to be introduced into Fate Reforged. The idea was we ended up doing three mechanics from cons and two mechanics from dragons in Fate Reforged. So that did is it gave you a little sneak peek of sort of like we wanted Fate to be like, you know, this world could be, end up in either of these two worlds. And so we like the idea of having mechanics from both worlds. So like, oh, well, cons, it shifted this way, and these two mechanics stuck around. Dragons, it shifted this way, and these two mechanics stuck around. Um, I talked about in state how we ended up deciding what, what mechanics to put in. So we ended up putting in dash and bolster. Um, those are both very good mechanics. Um, dash, uh, we're real quickly, this because we're doing dragons up here. Both dragons up here and bolster were designed by the dragons design team. Dash were designed independently by me and Sam Stoddard in the, our, I think our very first homework assignment. We were told to do different mechanics for the things. The very first thing which I turned in and Sam turned in, un, unaware of the other one doing it, was Dash. Um, and Dash ended up being one of those things that we thought there was design space, and there ended up being more design space. Uh, Dash was a pretty robust mechanic, and so I was very happy that it played out. Definitely one of the reasons we pushed it back to Fate Reforge was it had a lot of design space. Um, Bolster, interestingly, was the last mechanic. So Dash was the first mechanic we designed. Bolster was the last mechanic we designed. We had a lot of problems with green and white. We knew we wanted to use plus one, plus one counters because Outlast... We knew Outlast wasn't going to last. Uh, there wasn't enough design space for Outlast to go into Fate Reforged. So we knew the green one mechanic had to go to Fate Reforged. Um, we wanted it playing around with plus one, plus one counters that somehow it granted plus one, plus one counters because part of Outlast was having a lot of cards that cared about plus one, plus one counters and we could keep that theme going through for the Endurance Clan. So the Endurance Clan still could have a build-up plus one, plus one counter theme which made a lot of sense. So the question was, how do we grant plus one, plus one counters? Um, we eventually came into the idea of what if you could grant plus one, plus one counters but your hand was forced? It wasn't... It didn't... Normally when you put plus one, plus one counters you tend to put it on the thing that... that is most advantageous for you. Usually, it's either the biggest thing or the, the most evasive thing. Um, we like the idea of a mechanic that did it, but sort of forced your hand where it went. It was kind of cool that it went to the smallest thing. Um, you know, that it went on the thing that kind of most needed the counters. And that definitely made it a bit different. So anyway, I've, I've talked a lot about Dash and Bolster in my favorite four, so I won't get too much into them. Other than Dash was first, Bolster was last. The second mechanic I believe we came up with was Rebound. So we were trying to find a mechanic that played nicely with um, Prowess from, from Jeskai and, and Khans. Um, Prowess wanted non-creature spells, so we're like, okay, well, if this mechanic went on non-creature spells, okay, that would have some synergy. And then we said, okay, really what, um, what Prowess wants is you'd be able to play a lot of non-creature spells. Was there a mechanic that lets you play non-creature spells? 
Um, and there are a couple options. Um, what we realized is spells that let you play multiples of it was the best. So we looked at a bunch of ways we'd done in the past. Was it replicate? Was it flashback? Was it rebound? Um, rebound ended up being the one that we liked the best, the idea that you sort of played it once and played it the next turn. So it boosted you, but not all in the same turn. It kind of boosted you over different turns. Um, flashback we'd used a bunch of times, and flashback comes with a lot of baggage. Um, so we decided that re- rebound would be a good reprint. Um, we really hadn't brought back a lot of mechanics. Obviously, we brought back Morph in the first set. And, well, I'm not sure how you want to count Delve. We brought Delve back, although Delve only had three cards in existence. So bringing it back is a little bit of a... It had never really been explored. So, um, But we had Morph in the first set. So we decided we could bring back one mechanic here. Um, and Rebound made a lot of sense. We played with it, played really well. Um, Rebound had, got, had been made in, uh, in Rise of the Eldrazi, interestingly, um, because it... Um, I think they were trying to figure out ways to help the Allies sort of fight the um, Eldrazi, and there was a, definitely a growth theme going on. And so I think I think it was made because Brian and his team were trying to find things that could keep coming, and so the idea of spells that happen multiple times felt cool. Uh, Brian also made Storm, so uh, you can see a theme of Brian's mechanics of he likes spells that sort of happen more than once. Um, okay, then the next thing we came up with was Exploit. Um, we had messed around with Exploit before during Lorwyn block, actually. Um, I had made a mechanic where when a creature came into play, you could sacrifice a creature of that card type, of that creature type. So, it was, like, it would be a zombie that said, when it's end of the battlefield, you could sacrifice... I think, uh, I think my mechanic was any number of zombies, and for each zombie you sacrifice, it generated the effect. So the idea was that you could sacrifice this creature, it was a zombie... Uh, but you also could generate more, so it had a little more of a tribal feel, because A, it limited itself to a creature type, and you could do it multiple times. Um, exploit was that, but limited to just one time and any creature, rather than a, a specific tribal creature, because there wasn't a tribal theme here. Um, exploit felt really good for those ruthless. I mean, we were trying to... So, um, we wanted to play nice with Delve. Delve cared about getting cards in the graveyard. Exploit put cards in the graveyard, so we felt that was nice. Um... And it also matched the sort of ruthless feel that we were going for. That was true for all of them, by the way. Not only, not only do they have to match mechanically to play nice with the mechanic that was in the same, you know, dragon attribute, but it also had to feel, feel the flavor we were trying to get to. Well, Bolster, you know, like, it's reinforcing the weak. Well, that's all about endurance. Wants to reinforce, wants to reinforce, that's good. And Dash was about attacking quickly. Well, Dash is all about speed, that's good. And, um... Uh, the uh, cunning was all about, you know, the Jeskai slash Ojisai was all about cunning and like, oh, getting to have your prowess things trigger multiple times and having spells that happen multiple times uh, felt very cunning. And then um, exploit, right, beat felt very ruthless, um, which leads us to the last one, the red-green one, formidable. Uh, that's Tarka, so that is the savagery. Um, so this was the one we, this was the one that actually came second last. Both, um, uh, Dromoka and Atarka were the two clans that we were having the most trouble finding the new mechanic. We wanted to play nicely with um, uh, Ferocious. So for starters, that meant, okay, probably the mechanic wanted to go on creatures um, and maybe just wanted to go on big creatures. So he just had big creatures. But the problem we ran into was, um, I don't know, it, it, we had trouble finding a mechanic that just went on big creatures, that we wanted it to go on more than just big creatures. So we ended up coming with Formidable, which really was kind of an extension of what Ferocious was, that said, 
we care about you having a lot of creatures, but it went a slightly different route. Formidable was about the one single bigger creature, where Formidable was like, you just need massive creatures. So it allowed you to sort of have a reward that was a little bit different. Now, obviously, the deck that had four fours in it, or four power creatures in it, probably would add up to eight pretty soon. So, I mean, Formidable and Ferocious played together well, but it also allowed you to sort of go a slightly different route. The other thing we liked is that um, it was hard with uh, Teamer. You kind of had to play some big creatures, and with Atarka, you still had that option, but it also widened a little bit and let you play with lots of smaller creatures. That was something you could do. Um, we went through a lot of different things with Formidable. In fact, and, in fact, I believe... I don't remember what it was. We had a different mechanic. I think we had a slightly different mechanic that got tweaked during Divine or, or Development that got turned into Formidable as we know it. I actually think the mechanic we had... I don't remember off the top of my head. was a little bit different, and, and Development definitely tweaked it a bit. Um... Anyway, um, there were many cycles. This, this was uh, one of those sets. Um, gold sets tend to have cycles in general. Uh, also, sets with themes tend to have cycles, especially when the, the theme is cycled, and we decided we would cycle in dragons. Um, one of the things we decided to do is, um, when we did the angel set in Absent Restored, we really kept angels in white. Now, we pushed it. There was white-red, white-green, white-blue. Um, there were angels in every non-black color, because black was the demon color. Um, so we made sure that every color had access to angels, but it was always through the lens of also having white. There, there weren't a lot of angels that weren't white. Um, with dragons, we decided, you know what? Dragons, dragons are... Whenever we do um, sort of studies with, with players, dragons always are the number one creature type. People really, really like dragons. Um, and so what we decided was, we're doing the dragon set, we're going to blow dragons out. We have a, a long history of doing dragon cycles. We normally don't do them except when we... Like when they are a major thing, and so we decided that, of course, we had to do cycles. Um, we did a bunch of cycles because of the dragon set, which meant that all the colors had access to the dragons, even monocolor. So even green was going to get a flyer because everybody was going to get a dragon. Okay, so let's walk through the cycles. There was the Dragon Lord cycle. That was a mythic cycle that was obviously uh, ally color, and it was legendary creatures. Uh, we had met them before in Fate Reforged. Well, guess what? We met them again. It's a... You know, it's 1,300 years later. Not tons of creatures existed 1,300 years later, but the dragons sure did. Dragons live a long, long time, well over 1,300 years. So we got to meet the dragons in Fate Reforged and then see them as the dragon lords in the set. Um, we also had rare gold dragons. Um, these were um, uh, other dragons that were the two-color pairs that weren't the dragon lords and weren't legendary. Um... We had the Regents, which were rare monocolored dragons. So um, we wanted a bunch of different dragons. So we had the legendary mythic dragons. We had rare gold dragons. We had um, rare monocolored dragons. We had uncommon monocolored dragons. And we had uncommon gold dragons. So we had a bunch of different dragons. We also had um, a cycle of Dragon Matters cards and uncommon things that cared about dragons. And we had the Dragon Lord Monuments, which are things that could turn into dragons at uncommon. Those were artifacts. Um, they tap for C or D, um, meaning they tap for one of the two colors that the dragon was fun. So, uh, if you were Ojitai, you tap for white or blue. Uh, and then, I think for six mana, two of which were colored, they turned into the 4-4. Four, four, I think, uh, permanently turned into the 4-4 four, four flying dragon. Um, also, by the way, uh, of other cycles, we had the command cycle that was tied to the dragons. Uh, it was in the, the ally colors, so we did ally commands. Um, we had talked about doing commands when we had done um, the wedges. They didn't quite um, 
work quite as well. They worked better. Or did we have commands? Yeah, we did do commands. Did, uh, did we do commands in the wedge? Ah, my, my problem of what we tried to do them. I think we did. I think we did. I think we had wedge commands. So I think that these were the, no, these were the ally commands. Like, if I'm getting this wrong, it's because we made them and tried them and played with them in my head. I remember having them. But I think in, at the end of the day, I think we did have commands. If we didn't, that's because my memory is faulty, so I apologize. Uh, we had the former cons, which caused some controversy because four of them were legendary creatures, and one was a planeswalker. Narset became a planeswalker. Um, it's a quirky cycle. A lot of people felt it was incomplete because they wanted a legend in the white-blue slot, and they didn't have one because instead that was a, um, a planeswalker. Um, anyway, uh, it's very funny sometimes how you make a cycle, and people just, because the cycle in some ways is... It's a good example of the aesthetics. The aesthetics didn't match. Uh, and we were trying to break the aesthetics on purpose to do something cool that this one became a planeswalker, but I, I don't know. The, the four and one usually gets us in trouble. Um, we had a rare cycle of megamorphs. Um, we had a cycle of uncommon colored hate spells. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I think there were eleven or twelve cycles. Um, there were a bunch of cycles. Mo- like I said, a lot of them were dragon cycles. Some of them were multicolored cycled. Um, I'm not actually, by the way, there were also some cycles of, of ally color cycles, and loose cycles in, in the sense that they were, we try to balance al- uh, gold cards, so we make cycles of them, but they, that doesn't mean they have to do anything other than just be of that color combination. So I did list them here. Um, but I mean, if you're real technical, there were some gold cycles that like, oh, each color gets a card here. Um, but they weren't connected anyway other than, than that, so it's very, very loose. Um, so I'm almost to work, so um, what will happen is starting next time I will start doing my card by card. Um, there's many cards to talk about, but uh, the, the final thing that I want to wrap up um, is to say that um, this was a very challenging set. Um, we had definitely bit off, because one of the things about it was we walked in having a lot of obligations to follow. Um, I, I don't know if we've ever had a large set that had more obligations walking in the door. Um, I mean, when, when you return to worlds, there's some obligations. But this was sort of like, we were a piece to a puzzle, and a lot of the puzzle had already been built out, and we had to finish the puzzle, so we kind of had a lot of obligated pieces we had to do. Um, and we had a very complex structure we were trying to meet. We, we were trying to do the... Um, we were trying to play out the whole idea of the alternate timeline. So there was a lot going on. So as we go through the card by card, I'll hit a lot of the separate issues. But um, it was a pretty complex design. Like I said, it took a year. Um, as I talked about my state of the design, there's a few things in, in Dragons, uh, Megamorph I've already talked about. There's a few, few things that I, w- I would change going back. And I'll talk about some of this as we go through it. But in general, um, I think we did a pretty good job of making a lot of Dragons that make it very exciting. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll get into that in, in future podcasts. But, but, that's my first, my first, uh, podcast number one, all with Dragons and Dark here. More to come. But, I'm in my parking space, so you all know that means, means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of, uh, talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. See you guys next time.